and fuck those assholes. You know what I mean? All right. Make sure I'm leaving that, that in the podcast. No, I'm leaving it in there. I think kiss my ass. <laughs>
was founded in 2012 by Daniel Katz, David Fenkel, and John Hodges. Prior to A24, all had worked extensively in film and production before leaving their current positions to co-found the company, originally A24 Films, which specialized in film distribution. Starting off moderately in 2013 with a glimpse inside the mind of Charles Swan III, the company's growth started with the release of Spring Breakers later that year. They became better known after picking up the US rights to Ex Machina and Room, and worldwide rights to The Witch, growing substantially since then. They entered into deals with Direct TV Cinema and Amazon Prime in late 2013, with some films distributed through them, and the name was shortened to A24 in 2016. A24's television division has produced The Carmichael Show, At Home with Amy Sedaris, Rami, Euphoria, and Mr. Corman. Here's some accolades. As of 2019, the company's films had received a total of 25 Academy Award nominations. In 2016, films distributed by A24 won Academy Awards for Best Actress, Brie Lawson in Room, Best Documentary Feature, which is Amy, and Best Visual Effects for Ex Machina. In 2017, Moonlight won the Academy Award for Best Picture, the first such award for the company, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor for Marishala Ali. In 2021, A24 won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for Yoo Jung Yoon in Minari, who became the first Korean actress to win an Oscar. There we go. Interestingly enough, only one Best Movie Oscar, but I think looking back, and because a lot of A24 movies seem to be almost genre, kind of, like with a, like a lot of horror in there, it makes sense that they haven't won too many Oscars because I don't think they really push out Oscar bait movies, such as like historical epics or movies about the movie industry or movies about people with disabilities or you know what I mean? Usual baity Oscar movies. Give them time. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Give them, give them time. I mean, Moonlight was pretty... I don't want to say it was Oscar Beatty, but it was it was heavy handed in what it was doing. When it won Best Picture, I was I was completely pulling for it because I think that was my favorite movie of the year. So I'm a sucker for it. A little information on how we're going to do the tier ranking. If you have listened to our previous tier ranking episode with that we did on Quentin Tarantino, we're all kind of specific about the way we do it. It kind of worked out. I think that it cal we calculated, I'd seen 36 of the A24 movies and Eric was right about the same, like 33, 34. Yeah, about that. Okay, so between us, we've seen roughly 70, but obviously there's some crossover, but actually, shockingly enough, there's a lot of movies that we didn't cross over on at all. So in order to make this fair, we can't obviously rank movies that we haven't seen, movies that we have no interest in seeing. So what we did is I cross-referenced Eric's list with my list, and that pulled in a handful of movies that we've both seen. And those are the movies that we're going to put on the A24 tier list today. And how we do it at Movies Last Night, if you're new to the show, is we're going to go S rank through F rank on the tier list system. And because we're firm believers in this, the best movie by default, in our opinion, has to be the S. And the worst movie by default has to be the F. So it's not going to be, we're not going to do on those tier lists where we're like, oh, it's all Bs or it's all Cs, or it's like mainly A's and a couple S ranks, because that's technically not how the system should work in our opinion. It's a process of elimination. I mean, you have to, one can't be, they all can't be of the same level. You know, one has things that are better than the others and, and that's just how it goes. And we just kind of whittle it down um, till we get to the end and then reassess. 
And if you're listening to, I just want to remind everybody, especially if you're new to the podcast and you've came in, obviously art in, in movies and what have you is all subjective. So this is Eric and my opinion. This opinion does not even reflect the other guys from the show. Like I'm sure Chris, Daniel and Zach would probably have alternate opinions on a lot of the stuff that we're going to do. Eric and I probably don't agree on most of these, but that's not to say that we're right and you're wrong. Everybody's opinion is totally valid. So please don't be offended if we don't rate a movie that you love as high as you would, because that's not our intention. We're just talking about what we like. Now they've got that out the way. So these are the movies that made our shortlist, okay? I think this is in chronological order, hopefully. So we have Enemy, Ex Machina, Good Time, Green Room, Hereditary, Locke, Midsommar, Moonlight, The Bling Ring, The Disaster Artist, The Lighthouse, The Rover, The Witch, Uncut Gems, Zola, The Green Knight, Everything Everywhere All at Once, X, Men, Pearl, and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. So those are the movies that we're going to be putting, which is actually quite a decent chunk of movies. That's good. It, it's kind of, it's across a lot of genres. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, so you'll get like a little bit of everything, I think. I agree. I think it's a pretty good starting point. Now, just before we get into our list, I did want to mention, I did look this up. So on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a site that I don't particularly care for, but I'm going to use it. Rotten Tomatoes, by ranking of their fresh rating, um, have their all 119 movies are actually ranked by their fresh score from one down to 119. I'm just going to read their top 10 because what's really interesting is that the critical consensus of the movies for the top 10 and then our top list, okay? Because it's quite a bit of a, 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 it's quite different. Number one, they have Lady Bird at 99% fresh. Number two, Eighth Grade in 99% fresh. Number three, Marcel the Shell with shoes on at 99% fresh. Moonlight is number four at 98%. Minari, number five at 98%. Number six, The Farewell at 97%. The Florida Project at number seven with 96%. First Cow, number eight with 96%. Menashe at number nine with 96%. And number 10, rounding it out, Everything Everywhere All at Once with 95%. Eric, I think that's kind of revealing and kind of interesting because I don't agree with that of the ones that I've seen that are on this list. No, I mean, I don't either. I mean, it's a consensus of everyone that have that has seen it but how many people do you know that's talking about first cow you know i know and <laughs> i know like film spotting are big fans of her work and that movie specifically and i know that there's a lot of people like that movie and um it's kelly reichardt i believe in all of her movies in general she's like very held up but what's more shocking to me is that like marcel lachelle is 99 percent. well i was gonna say in you know in 10 years time, are you going to be talking about Marcel the Shell or are in a film class or are you going to be looking at Barry Jenkins Moonlight in a film class, you know? And also too, it's it's a bit like that thing, no pun intended, with the thing. Like at the time, critics didn't really rate it very highly. And nowadays, like 20, 30, 30, 40, almost years later, that movie is like, that's the movie everybody talks about. You know what I mean? Like everybody's like, yeah, the thing is incredible. The movies that really, really do end up shaping this company and shaping public opinion of this company are probably closer in line with like the Dave Eggers movies or... Was it Robert Eggers? Did we? Are we going to mix this up again? Anyway, whatever. <laughs> that's that's what I did. That's what I I put the voodoo on you on that one. 
I think you have. I think I'll never <laughs> actually know what his name is now. Okay, so let's just get down to it because I'm sure our listeners are like, shut the fuck up and get talking about these movies. No, they can deal. They can deal with it. That's what they can deal with. It. Yeah, right. This is our show. We'll do it. We'll do it at our own pace and as sick as we want to be too. That's right. So number one, Enemy, which is a Denny Villeneuve movie starring Jake Gyllenhaal and a big old spider. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of big old spiders symbolism in that one. Um, I've seen it a couple times. Uh, starting off, I'm going to throw Enemy in a, mm, I'm going to throw it in a C tier. C tier, okay. I think it's really good. I think it's a movie that you have to watch multiple times, though. Um, and I don't know that people will want to invest the time in it. I mean, it's one of the greatest endings to a movie I've ever seen. Um, and there's so much going on in it, but it, you have to invest the time in it. It's a pretty difficult movie. I think I agree with you putting it at around the C mark. I've seen the movie one time. One time I think was enough for me. I think at some point I would like to revisit it further down the line. It's doing a lot of clever stuff. It was released in 2013, obviously starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Kind of a rough plot description. It's about a man who's seeking out his exact lookalike after he spots him in a movie. So it's kind of like the notion that, that you might have a doppelganger out there. The movie is pretty surrealistic, very interesting, obviously signs that Villeneuve was quite a talent going on to do other things in the future. I think C is about fair, truthfully, because I don't think it's the greatest movie I've ever seen. And I don't think it's the best movie on our list, but I think C is a pretty good middle point for it. I think so. I mean, it's pretty smart and it can move up or down depending on how, how the rest of this goes. Next movie from 2014, Ex Machina, directed and written, I believe, by the great Alex Garland. Take it away, Eric. Um, well, this one's easy for me. This is an A tier right out of the gate, um, could easily move up to an S tier, uh, depending on when we finish. Um, subject matter, how it was shot, the story, everything about it is just top notch. So an easy A tier for me. I would have to agree with you on this one. The movie stars Oscar Isaac, Dominol Gleason. His name is really hard to pronounce. And then Alicia Vikander as the AI sentient being that's in the movie. Here's a quick plot description for anybody who hasn't seen it. A young programmer is selected to participate in a groundbreaking experiment in synthetic intelligence by evaluating the human qualities of a highly advanced humanoid AI. I agree with you, Eric. It's A tier. It could possibly go S tier. I guess when we get into it, we're going to have to stop pulling it through. It's just a stone cold. Cold is an important word in that. It's a very cold, hard sci-fi movie. I'm a huge Garland fan. And I think this is honestly one of his, if not perhaps his best work outside of devs, I believe. I think this might be his best movie. Oscar Isaac. I think this is when Oscar Isaac got on the radar for me too. Uh, such a huge talent, like crazy talent. Everybody's actually bringing the A game in this movie. Yeah, excellent. I could go on all day, but I'm not going to. We're going to put that in A tier. It's a, it's a movie that I wanted a sequel for like right away, but it's never going to happen. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, and plus too, I think if we did get a sequel, it might diminish the the pow how powerful the ending is. Moving on, we have Good Time from 2017. Eric, over to you. Uh, good Time is when uh, this this was actually uh, recommended uh, by a friend of ours, Sam, um, for me to see, and uh, I, yeah, I was I was blown away. Uh, by it so um i would throw a good time in a in a b tier uh 
for right now, and, and it could easily move up to A. Uh, but I think uh, B is a good spot for it. It's very tense. It's very kind of nonstop. It, it, it would be rough if if you're not ready for it. It can be claustrophobic if you're not ready for it. There's just so much going on in it, and uh, Pattinson just murders that that entire movie. So yeah, uh, not as good as Ex Machina in my opinion, but I mean definitely it's a it's it's more upwards towards uh, uh, B high B. Uh, than anything else. Starring Robert Pattinson, Benny Safdie, and Jennifer Jason Leigh. Directed by the Safdie brothers. I got turned onto this movie because a friend. We were talking about the musician Wanatrix Point Never. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Very like ambient synthy stuff. Really cool. Anyway, a friend of mine was like, oh yeah, he did the soundtrack for Good Time. Are you going to are you gonna see Good Time? And I was like, oh no. And then I watched the trailer. This is a while back now. And I was like, immediately like, oh my God, I have to see this movie. I have to see this movie right now. <laughs> I got my usual Scott like overexcited, like a little puppy for it. Here's a plot description. After a botched bank robbery lands his younger brother in prison, Connie Nikes embarks on a twisted odyssey through New York City's underworld to get his brother Nick out of jail. Nick, his brother, has uh, like a learning disability. Uh, so he's in a very vulnerable position because he's been put in like general population holding in a jail cell. Brother, obviously, without proper care and proper attention, people recognizing his mental health issues, he's in a, in a real bad situation. So the movie has this like frenetic taut energy the whole movie you just you don't know what's going to happen and and i think that's a trademark of the safety brothers moving forward as we get into uncut gems is this notion when you're watching a safety brothers movie where it feels like literally anything can happen at any time <laughs> you feel so bad for that character and i didn't realize it as i was watching it too that it that it was one of the i i i don't know I, there's benny and what's the other brother Josh Safdie, Benny and Josh. I, I didn't realize that that was one of the brothers. I just, I thought, well, kind of the way that they cast almost, uh, it it seems like, and I'm, I'm sure it's not the case, but it seems like, you know, they just pull real people and and film real people. And, but he killed it as much as Pattinson did. Yeah, I think too, maybe it's not for everybody, but at least for me, I think Good Time was the movie that cemented Pattinson as an actor that I greatly respect and admire. Not only that, like I think it really cemented that transition that he had, because obviously he'd done other movies and art house movies before this, but I think this was the movie where I was like, okay, I know exactly what he's doing now. He's going full art house and like he was kind of a revelation in this movie. You know, his performance, it was it's so good. So you said B. I am going to I mean I would say A. That's fair. Yeah. But then as there's only two of us, it's difficult to get a consensus because we don't have a third who's going to like, you know what I mean? Like when Zach did the tier list with us, Zach's opinion would often vary. So it would like make it easier to balance. Um, would you would you be okay with an A for now? I would totally consent to an A with that one. It's It's so good. It's so good. Okay, so we have good time at an A. Next on the list is Green Room from 2015. Green Room stars the late Anton Lielchin, who unfortunately passed way too young, Imogen Poots, and Aaliyah Shawkat. And not only that, the great Patrick Stewart is in this movie, which is kind of great casting, as it turns out. Eric, over to you, Green Room. Um, Green Room, I'm going to put at a C tier uh, because... I do like it as a, it was kind of marketed as a horror 
film. To me, it wasn't horror more than it was suspense or thriller or anything like that. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised that, uh, I'm surprised in the sense that I liked Blue Ruin, the director's uh, debut movie, a bit more. Uh, this, I, I really liked the beginning of uh, Green Room. And I like the ending too, but the middle just kind of like seemed to speed up and and didn't really give me much as far as like the uh, characters go. It just seemed like a lot of quick deaths and uh, cruel deaths and stuff like that. But I mean, it was, he's such a great director. Um, I think his movie after this, Hold the Dark, which I think came on Netflix. I believe that's what it was called. I really enjoyed too. Um but I would say it's a movie that I would definitely watch again. Um, but as far as it, where it falls, I would say a C. I would put it at a C right now. Maybe even a D. You know, I would say C, low C, even a high D. Directed by Jeremy Solnier. I agree with you, Eric. I think the follow-up to this movie, Hold the Dark, is really, really good. It's a shame it's not on this list. Everybody should go and check that movie out on Netflix. It is a Netflix original, unfortunately, so it's kind of locked to that platform. He is a huge, immense talent, in my opinion. He really is. I love the idea of this movie. Like, like everything about this movie, I love the idea of it. Yeah, like the concept and the setting is right up my alley. A band, that's a band as in a, a punk band, strain into a secluded part of the Pacific Northwest stumbles onto a horrific act of violence. Because they are the only witnesses, they become targets of a terrifying gang of skinheads who want to make sure all the evidence is eliminated. So essentially, it's a punk band that gets booked to play a show because they're on tour and they need the money. So they end up taking a show at what turns out to be a skinhead clubhouse in the middle of the woods where they accidentally oversee a, a murder. Yeah, essentially. When the skinhead gang realize that the band have witnessed it, they obviously have to get rid of them too because they don't want anybody spreading any information. A great setup for a movie. I think too, also, Eric, with you saying how you thought it might have been a horror movie, it is also a, a great setup for a horror movie. It's It almost sounds like the setup for a horror movie in a way because, you know, like the, the only difference being is that the skinheads would turn out to be like skinhead vampires. like <laughs> <laughs> Because it's kind of like a like a dust till dawn type situation where you go into a venue and you're like, what the hell's going on? And everybody goes crazy. And it is a horror movie too, in a way, because the it's extremely violent, like crazy violent in a way that feels very real too. I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's some specific scenes regarding a door and somebody trying to get through a door that are incredibly difficult to watch. And especially scenes involving dogs too. So if you're squeamish about that, I would probably avoid this movie if you're squeamish about any of those kind of things. It's good, but I don't think it's great. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's a movie like it like if someone said uh introduce me to this director this wouldn't be the first time I would go to you know um I would go uh Blue Ruin or Hold the Dark of the movies that he's made it's the one that would probably have the most crossover appeal and I can understand a lot of people gravitating towards this one because it's it's more of a like more of a fun thriller than the other movies do you know what I mean by that it's less serious yeah i mean there's some funny things about it um there's some humor there's some lightness in the beginning especially when the band's playing and they're trying to uh provoke the audience for a reason um and it's very kind of aware of um of what it's doing 
Yeah, I'm happy with it in a D, if I'm being honest. I think the biggest revelation, I think, is how cleverly cast Patrick Stewart is. He's such a great actor. <laughs> seeing, him, seeing him play against type is just, it's really good. It's its stunt casting, make no mistake, but it's good stunt casting. Oh, I guess he did do a couple episodes of uh, True Detective to season one. That's pretty cool. So we're going to put Green Room at a D for now. Moving on, we have Hereditary from 2018, written and directed by Ari Aster, starring Tony Collette, Gabriel Byrne, Alex Wolfe, who you might recognize from Pig and a few other movies, and then a really creepy little girl called, <laughs> it's not her fault, Millie Shapiro. And it's creepy because she'll forever be creepy because of this movie. I don't really need to say much else about that. Here's a quick plot description. A grieving family is haunted by a tragic and disturbing occurrence. Eric. This is a, this is a tough one. Um, because I know what people think about it, and I know it's, it's very uh, loved, I guess, uh, in a, in kind of a, new like not a new horror but like a a re a reinvented horror genre in a way where or just a callback um there's a lot of really interesting things going on here it's one of the creepiest movies i've seen in in quite a long time and it takes a lot to kind of creep me out um or surprise me when it comes to movies like this but because it is so inventive in a way it gets a little bit of a higher rating but to me, it's not like S or A tier. It's a B tier for me. Um, it's that's because I've only I've only watched it once, and I never really had the desire to rewatch it. Uh, and that's not because it wasn't good or anything like that. It's just it's one of those movies that you have to be in the mood for. You have to like be able to sit down and be like, okay, I want to be challenged by a uh, a horror movie. Um, that's the same with, uh, uh, Midsummer. seen it once and I don't know that I want to see it again. Um, so for me, it's, it's a B tier, uh, just for it's like technical achievements and it's storytelling and stuff like that. But as far as entertainment, it's not entertaining to me. Um, it's a great movie. It's just not entertaining. I think this is a tricky one to rate because I think when I think of modern horror, hereditary to me feels like the foundation that modern horror is built on, like post-horror, you know, that expression post-horror. It's the exorcist of modern horror movies. In so much of its notoriety, its extremely difficult nature, its subject matter, and I think it's I think it's a technical achievement. Now, not somebody I'm haven't studied movies at school. I'm not a filmmaker, but I would argue of with the exception of one or two other movies, I think Hereditary is probably like shot for shot, like a superlatively made movie in terms of like craft. Like you, Eric, I've seen it once and I kind of don't want to see it again because I think the movie has such an impact the first time you see it, it. It's almost like that experience will already be diluted if I watch it again. And the power of the movie is how effective it is first time round. So I've always kind of avoided it for that reason alone because I kind of cherished that first watch of it because it was it blew me away so much. My head wants to put it as an A or even an S tier. Which would make sense, but then you have to kind of you have to narrow it down with like with like A tiers, S tiers. That's like those are things that you revisit, that you see multiple times, that you recommend. I I don't know that I would recommend this movie as like someone who is interested in horror. I would say like get to it down the road 
sort of thing. That's interesting though, because isn't the power of it that you don't want to watch it again? That's how effective it is. I, I guess, but I mean, I also think that movies, greatly appreciated movies at least, need to be viewed multiple times to get like all the little things about them, to get all the subtleties about them, to get like the language that is trying to like feed you. Um, and with with this one, I I did enjoy like like the, how um, Tony Collette's character and how everything is kind of incorporated with what she does as a day job, um, how that all works into the movie and her psychology and her break, her psychological break, her, the the daughter, what happens with her storyline, the son, what happens with her storyline, the mother, everything is just so weaved greatly in this movie but it's not a movie that i'm going to say you have to watch it i would suggest five other movies before this movie and then say watch this one on the sixth movie and you'll understand why these other movies why it's great because of these other movies you know i do know where did you say you wanted to put it uh a b a B. I'm going to compromise with you on a B, but I think that I'm going to probably push for it to be reshuffled later on, but we'll sit it at a B right now. It'll be interesting when we get to Midsummer, which is coming up soon, how we feel about that movie because, you know, it's his follow-up. Yeah, let's sit it at a B for right now. Okay, moving on. So from 2013, Locke, it is starring Tom Hardy. It's just Tom Hardy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy, but there are some really good voice actors. Olivia Coleman plays one of the voices, Ruth Wilson and Andrew Scott, who I'm a big fan of too. But mainly this is a Tom Hardy vehicle to showcase how incredible Tom Hardy can be in movies as an actor and as a present screen presence. It was directed by Stephen Knight, written by Stephen Knight. That's to give you a little plot description. Ivan Locke, a dedicated family man and a successful construction manager, receives a phone call on the eve of the biggest challenge of his career. That's sets in motion a series of events that threaten his carefully cultivated existence. Locke. Locke is a movie that I've seen. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? What's that? <laughs> you doing okay? How you doing, buddy? I'm just checking it on you there. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm good. I was just thinking about, I was thinking about it. So Locke, I have seen once and I was kind of blown away when I saw it, uh, but I have not seen it since. But I mean, if you are into Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy for 90 minutes, which I think is the runtime, I could be wrong about that. Uh, this is your bread and butter. This is this is your favorite movie ever. I mean, but you have to like looking at Tom Hardy driving down the road the entire time. It's like um, uh, Colin Farrell in the phone booth where it's just Colin. It's pretty much Colin Farrell. The entire time in a claustrophobic situation, um, but with Locke, it's about how he is his world is coming undone because he has made a a personal and moral decision about how he is going to handle a situation, and he thinks it's the right. He feels it's the right thing to do, and that's how he portrays the character. Um, I wish I wish it was a movie that I had seen more than once to really kind of have an opinion about. I'm oh man. I'm gonna throw it. I'm gonna throw it in a in a C tier, a high C tier, and I could be convinced of even higher because I do remember liking it a lot, but I I never revisited it. 
I'm the same. I've seen it once. Obviously, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Tom Hardy is playing a Welshman in this movie because I remember his accent started to grate on me a little bit. And I think he's playing Welsh. I'm pretty sure he is. It's a little bit like when he did Bronson and he was doing the, oh, good news. My dog does not have a cancerous tumor. She has a fatty tumor. We just got a message. That's good. That's I'm going to leave that on the podcast. We were this whole time, Eric and I have been recording. I've been like, I've got to stay on the phone because my vet's calling because we found a big tumor in my dog's belly. It's just a fatty tumor. So Congrats. that's such good news. Okay. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> moving on. His accent was kind of irritating me a little bit. Let me ask, let me ask you a question. Do all Welsh accents bother you? <laughs> you trying to get us like blacklisted from apple podcasts in wales i don't think anybody in wales is listening to our show no i mean the welsh accent is beautiful obviously and there are beautiful people it's a very musical sounding dialect like the welsh accent it's in and it's very pretty it's just jarring when somebody who isn't welsh does it because i feel like they over over egg it a little bit, you know what I mean? And it gets a little too, it's like when people do Irish accents and then they kind of like, it's a little bit, oh, top of the morning to you, you know what I mean? That kind of, it's a little, a little too much. <laughs> and I think Hardy is known for doing accents and also known for doing not very good ones. Like Venom, what he does is like, I'm Eddie Brock, kind of, you know what I mean? And like, he's fun. And I like that about Hardy. I like how theatrical Hardy is, even on like, he's very stagey, even when he's on on screen, on film. But this is a little bit of interesting trivia, Eric. Did you know this? So the movie had an unconventional shooting schedule. Tom Hardy filmed his part over six days. And basically what they did, it's all taken overnight. They filmed the movie twice every night because it's all one take. So he literally filmed the movie two times every day for six days until they got the version of it that they wanted. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I mean, I mean, essentially it's a play. The, the entire movie's a play. Um but I mean, he that that doesn't surprise me. He seems like he's he's all in whatever project he's gonna be. I can't fault his commitment as an actor. Then I think the movie's a great premise. It's done very very well. It's very effective. I think C. I agree with you on C. I think C's fair. It may be worth revisiting, and it's a it is a big recommend for me. Even though we're just putting it at a C. Bear in mind, too, guys, when you're listening to this, just because we're saying this is a C. And then we're going to have some movies that might fall into the F category. It doesn't mean that it's an F by everybody else's standards. It's just an F on this list or a D on this list. Lock, whilst it's being a C, an enemy right now, whilst it's a C, are better than probably 90% of other movies out there. You know what I mean? Well, they're probably better than 90% of the movies that we haven't seen on the A24 list as well. Agree. Strong agree. And some of the movies that I have seen on the A24 list that we can't cover because if Eric hasn't seen them are nowhere near as good as these movies, in my opinion. Like nowhere near. A24 has some stinkers, believe it or not. So yeah. (laughs) They take chances. Yeah, they do. And I kind of like that about them too. We're jumping to 2019 and Ari Aster's follow-up to Hereditary, not a sequel, obviously, but his sophomore film. It is called Midsommar. Starring the great, great Florence Pugh. I think her breakthrough also stars a bunch of people who we don't know. (laughs) And then Will Poulter, who you might recognize from the, what's that? Not the Hunger Games, the Scorch Trials or whatever. You know that movie? Anyway, he's from Maze Runner. He's from the Maze Runner. (laughs) Runner. Okay, bloody hell. Spit it out, Scott. (laughs) 
Here's a quick plot description. A couple travels to Northern Europe to visit a rural hometown fabled Swedish Midsummer Festival. I murdered that. I butchered it. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre experience. Basically a competition at the hands of what turns out to be some form of pagan cult. That's the plot description. I mean, think think Wicker Man and you've got Midsummer. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really, I liked... This is what I liked about the movie. I liked the beginning a lot. I like uh, the lead up to the trip. It's so dark um, and it really introduces you to that character's trauma because that's that's what you get to experience from beginning to end is that character, Florence Pugh's character's trauma and how it kind of uh, progresses throughout the film. Um, and goes like, goes like full bonkers, uh, until the end. And, um, but it, it's also like, uh, it's how to, it's how to avoid like, uh, toxic relationships, <laughs> you know, uh, like signs, signs of, uh, toxic relationships. And when you should like run away from them, um, I, I guess it subtly kind of examines that too. Uh, but as far as like a tier list, I put it at, uh, man, it's, it, that's another tough one, you know, because it's one I've only, I've only watched once and I, and I haven't really, I haven't wanted to revisit it, not because it's bad, but just because whatever reason, you know, um, for me, for me, I'm going C, I would say hereditary is better than Midsummer. I would probably say a minimum for this movie. We saw this movie together, Eric, and I remember at the time when we came out and I explained to you at the time how much this movie affected me. I, I really connected on a personal level. And I remember even coming out of the theater with you and, and you were like, yeah, it was good. I kind of fell in love with the movie a little bit. I think, so I'm really speaking about my personal connection to the plot, to the characters and some of the themes in the movie really spoke to me. I think it is exceptional. I think it's beautiful. And I think that the difference between this and hereditary is hereditary feels like a very cold, very precise exercise in terror. This movie, for me, I get the personal connection. I get a bit more heart and a bit more soul out of this movie than I did his first movie. And I think that's what that sprung it. That's what makes me push it higher up than hereditary because of my own personal connection. I think it's really, really good. I think it's really, really good. I've seen it twice now. This is how much I like it. A lot of times I do want to sit down and watch it and I, I don't because I limit myself to how many times I'm going to watch this so I don't play it out because it's kind of special to me. I mean, I would say A at a push maybe is S and you said C. Yeah, I think uh Hereditary is uh better than than it. Such a great Florence Pugh performance too. Oh my God, she's so good in that movie. There's a lot of good camera work in this movie and a lot of good visual elements, specifically later on when we start getting into the pagan rituals and then the use of like psychedelics. A lot of people would say like in regards to this movie that this is a really, really good portrayal of that experience uh, as like a trip because he does a lot of really clever stuff with like flowers just gently moving and morphing and you know what I mean? Stuff that's like very, it, it feels very impactful because it's not like, whoa, dude, I'm tripping ball. You know what I mean? It's not like how Harold and Kumar like crazy over the top. The relationship element in her toxic relationship and then also her relationship with herself and her own grief and her learning to move on and like accept what's happened to her. The movie for me is kind of about a form of acceptance. Who's the bad guy or girl in this movie? 
I don't think there's a bad guy or a girl in this movie. I think there's just kids being kids and people being people and guys being guys and like relationships being shitty. <laughs> I know a lot of people try to make out he's the bad guy in in the movie. For me, the movie feels less about their relationship and more about her relationship with moving on from what happened to her parents. It feels more about like a rite of passage. And I think he's cleverly using the cult element of it and then her acceptance into the cult and her acceptance into that life and then the shedding of her past and negative things in her life life that she's shedding like symbolically sheds her boyfriend from her life when they put him in a bear suit and burn him alive <laughs> spoilers <laughs> <laughs> to me that's what the movie feels about and i know people argue it's not and it's more about her relationship with him but i don't think he's as important as people put in put into it and i know asta said on record i think where he said it was like he went through a bad breakup and that's the the movie's kind of about a breakup <laughs> i think <Good> lord <laughs> I don't get that. I might be wrong on that. It seems a little stupid. Oh, okay. So I'll I'll compromise for now. We'll put it at a B, but I might have to fight for this one later on when we do a, a wrap up. So B. B for now. Yes. This is going to be a long episode. We were going to do a movie after this too. I think oh just, God. I think just the tier list is going to do. Moonlight from 2016, directed and I believe written by Barry Jenkins. The movie stars uh, Maharshala. Is that? I always fuck up his name. Mahershala? Mahershala. Mahershala Ali, one of the greatest talents, in my opinion, in cinema, full stop. I think he's one of the best actors alive, in my opinion. Nomi Harris, who's great. Travante Rhodes and a young Alex R. Hibbert. A young African-American man grapples with his identity and sexuality whilst experiencing the everyday struggles of childhood, adolescence, and burgeoning adulthood. The movie is probably, unfortunately, more famous because of the Oscar situation. It won Best Picture, but there was some mix-up and somehow they read out La La Land instead? Yeah, I believe so. Which is ridiculous. That's fucking stupid. Like, how did that even happen? That's so silly. It's It kind of seemed like it was something that could be easily avoided. I understand the pressures of of live tv but you all it takes is just a second to be like wait they handed me the wrong envelope give me a second whatever <laughs> who was the person with the envelope which celebrity? warren Beatty. oh god he's senile he's probably ancient <laughs> uh, moonlight for me is an easy s tier it's um Everything about it, like the three stories it tells, the Barry Jenkins just he killed it with with everything in this movie. Uh, the story the the story that it tells, the progression of that character, how everything wraps up. All three of the actors uh, in that uh, in that role were amazing, from the kid to the teenager to the older adult. Um, and how that character kind of evolves throughout in a way that you don't, you didn't want him to evolve a, a kind of a route that you didn't want him to go in, but it's the only uh, kind of road that he felt safe on, I guess, in a way because of the uh, Mahershal Ali character, because that was his um, role model and um, someone he looked up to and felt safe. So it makes sense the way that he kind of, uh went uh i want to i've seen it twice i think but i i it's a movie that i could watch over and over again it would be heavy to watch over and over again but um i think it's a movie that deserves to be looked at studied examined forever um 
it, it's an S tier all the way. We're definitely going to put this in S. I think the movie is just, it's such a beautiful movie. Above all things, the movie to me feels so respectful. Respectful of its subject matter, respectful of its characters. It's a weird thing to say, but it's made with such care. It feels like it was written with affection for the people it's portraying, even when it portrays them in a negative light. The character Black, played by Trevante Rhodes, his mother, her performance, and she is a... We see her kind of like degenerate through like substance addiction. And even when she's horrible and like treats him like crap and she's abusive because the movie still cares about her. I don't know. Is that, does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I mean, in a lesser movie, it would just uh, pawn her off. She'd be a stereotype. Yeah. Be a stereotypical, just drug addict character and a throwaway character. But with this, you get so much depth and, um, how she handles situations, how she handles being a mother. Um, you get glimpses into her addiction. Uh, you get the kind of the tenderness of um, Mahershala's character. And I forget the um, uh, the woman that he's in a relationship with when they take in. Um, Janelle Monet, actually. It's the musician, Janelle Monet, um, which is super cool. Yeah, I mean... Uh, that whole storyline and how she kind of continues on throughout a majority of his life. So she stays in his life and she stays like a, you know, like a positive role model in his life. I think it's a beautiful movie. Good Lord, is it a good movie? It's definitely S tier with a bullet, in my opinion. I actually watched this movie with Chris, Chris from the show. Everybody knows Chris, uh, Chris Henson. We watched it at his place and I was a little late to the party. And I think I put it off because I, I, I was worried that this movie might, sometimes I get a little put off by movies when I'm, I'm worried they're going to upset me when I watch them. And I didn't want it to be like misery porn. It's not about that at all. The movie could speak to a lot of people. It could speak to people who are fathers, people who are mothers. It could speak to anyone who's a son, anybody who's a child of a parent, like in it, because it goes through so many dynamics. And I know one of the big themes of the movie is his burgeoning homosexuality and his dealing with his sexuality. And I can't speak for that obviously what i really took away from it is also i feel like the movie is about manhood regardless and i feel it's a it's a movie about adapting to what you believe you're supposed to be as a man in masculinity the movie feels a lot about masculinity marishal is ali's character in like the kind of masculinity that he represents through to the main character black his conflicting ideas of what it feels like to be a man and when he's basically going he's kind of hiding himself within masculinity because he's he feels like at threat because of his sexuality and that he's not and it's just such a really good breakdown of how we see ourselves and how like men kind of feel like they need to portray themselves in order to fit in tropes that we're supposed to have this is how good the movie is is that i'm not smart enough to talk about it that's how good the movie is <laughs> yeah s tier it's an s easy s <laughs> superior the superior tier which this podcast if it was put in a tier system would hit probably an s maybe it's not this episode but this podcast would be an <laughs> <S> -tier. <laughs> um okay we're going down a bit, I think, personally in quality. The next movie is The Bling Ring. IMDb, do not let me down right now. From 2013, directed by 
the great Sofia Coppola, 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 starring most notably, there's a bunch of kids in this movie, most notably starring Emma Watson from Harry Potter, who you might know. I believe this movie is kind of based around Paris Hilton and like some things that happened with Paris Hilton, I believe. 2013, here's a plot description, inspired by actual events. Yeah, so it's based on real life events. A group of fame obsessed teenagers use the internet to track celebrities' whereabouts in order to rob their homes. And I think Paris Hilton was victim of this real life setup. The Kardashians, I think. Uh, it's oh, been, really? Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it. I probably saw it about a year or so after it came out. Um, and I, I, I think it's going to get a resurgence because um, either there's either an HBO or some other streaming service is doing a documentary um, on them. Um, where they're where those the ki- those kids are actually talking about what they did and and everything and they seem just as empty and vapid and vacuous and void of any humanity as they probably originally were they just seem like empty people um but that's just me being a, a curmudgeonly old man. <laughs> an old geezer, an old duffer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, for me, uh, as far as the movie goes, I think Coppola made better movies, um, better subjects than, than this. Um, I think that it's a fun subject to tackle because of the time period and when you can get away with with uh it's probably one of the last times that you could kind of get away with this in the culture um just because it was early days internet early days uh celebrity culture or early days when people didn't really understand technology that well in a sense um to where you would announce that you were going to be somewhere and in your home could easily be found on Google maps or whatever. And people could go and break in basically. Um, but it's kind of the beginning of all that. Uh, but overall I would put it at a D at a D tier because it's, it's not, it's not as good as anything else on this list. And I think, that Coppola has made stronger films. I agree with you, Eric, pretty much word for word. I was going to say it might be the most fun movie on this list, but it's not really, because I think there's movies coming up later on that are a little bit more fun with a little bit more heft to them. Definitely not her best movie by a long shot, like not even close. Truthfully, I was kind of a little disappointed that this is what she was doing. When it, I remember when I watched this, I was like, really? You could do bad movies in this. Obviously, I'm not in a position to tell her. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> I'm talking about. <laughs> I would say for me, E tier. E tier? <laughs> yeah, because we're going S through F. So I would say E for now. Because if it's a D, it's not as good as Green Room. I no, you're right. Um, I, I could easily drop it down to F, to be honest. Uh, with the, everything left on the on the list, that would be an easy one for me. So E, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with. Okay, moving on. We have, so, so far, we've done one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine movies so far. And we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve movies to go. Oh my God. The next movie we're going to be talking about is The Disaster Artist from 2017, starring, oh, 
James Franco uh, with Dave Franco, Seth Rogen. Who else is in this? Alison Brie, which is Dave Franco's wife. Directed by James Franco. Oh my God. Uh, Zach Efron's in this movie. Paul Shear, who I love. Plot description. Do we need a plot description? It's the room. It's the room. <laughs> it's the room. It's the making of the room. The infamous Tommy Wiseau movie, The Room, which I'm guessing everybody's heard about. If you haven't, just bloody Google it and watch it. It's probably on YouTube. It's the most famous bad movie in the world. With so much like like mystery and uh I re- like like I always say whenever they someone talks about the room, I lived in uh California while the mo- when the movie was coming out and when I would go to LA, you would see those billboards everywhere for the room and you're like what is, what's this about with this big vampire crooked eye face on a massive billboard when you're <laughs> driving down the street you're like what is this um <laughs> i mean you gotta go franco you f for franco you know <laughs> there are some very funny parts in it um but i mean it's a movie that i'm never gonna watch again um, I would probably rather watch The Room than watch Disaster Artists again, or I would rather watch a doc a documentary on both of them than than to watch either one again. So, I mean, as far as the list goes, it's an easy F for me. I'm going to make this quick. I'm going to agree with you and put in an F. Now, I don't want anybody listening to think that I'm doing this because James Franco, I, I don't know if, if if what's been said about him is true, regardless, blah, 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 separate the art from the artist. I'm just going to say it's very trendy right now to wail on James Franco. <laughs> Allegedly, he's done a lot of bad things. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not rating it on that, on the person, because there's so many more people involved in in this movie. And I, I don't really, I'm, I'm very much uh, for separating the the art from the artist sort of thing, uh, but it's just. But we're talking movies. It's just not a great movie. So Eric just hit the nail on the head. I'm not marking it down because of James Franco. I don't buy him in a serious role at all. But I think he's a bloody good comedic actor. Case in point, Pineapple Express. He's really funny in Pineapple Express. He's a He's a very, very gifted comedic actor. I would even argue maybe more so than Seth Rogen is. I think he might be a better actor than Seth Rogen. We're just talking about Seth Rogen and James Franco here, but I think he's very talented. I think this movie's fine. I think it's serviceable. I think it's fun. It's enjoyable. It doesn't belong on this list or next to these other movies. A lot of these other movies. Some of them it does. I think F's fine. I'm never going to watch it again. I mean, and the you know what? There's a lot of really kind of gross people out there in the world. There's a lot of gross actors in the world. And there's a lot of gross actors whose movies I've really enjoyed. I'm not going to all of a sudden watch Usual Suspects and be like, this is terrible. I'm like, no, this movie slaps. He slaps in this movie. That's a double whammy, Usual Suspects, too, because it's what's his face. <laughs> yeah, Usual Suspects. Uh, I mean, Seven wouldn't have been the same without him. Spoilers. Yep. Um, yeah. He's so great. Anyway, moving on. That's <laughs> enough of that shit. I hate that we have to do disclaimers on that. You know what I mean? Fuck it. Okay. (laughs) Moving on. What's next on the list? Okay. Now we're starting to get into some pretty interesting territory. I think these next few are going to be pretty good. Out of chronological order from 2019, we have The Lighthouse, written and directed by Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers, not Dave Eggers. (laughs) Starring Robert Pattinson, Willem Dafoe. Elliot and I did an episode on The Lighthouse. You can go back and listen to it on our feed. I, I mean... Eric, just have at it. (laughs) 
Uh, to me, it's a B tier. Um, Ooh, I, I know, nice. I know it's, it's going to be tough. It's a movie I've, I've only watched once. Uh, and I, I don't know that I'll get back to it anytime soon. I, I eventually will, but I mean, it gets, it gets such a high rating just for those, just for Defoe, his performance alone, um, for sound design, for, uh, photography for all its technical things. It's just, it's a tough story to follow um, if you're not ready for it. And I think The Witch is a far better movie. That's fight and talk that. <laughs> a far superior movie. Well, I'm going to say this to you, Eric. I watched it a couple of times back to back before I did the episode with Elliot. The movie gets better every time you watch it, and it gets significantly better every time you watch it. It's, I think it's an incredible movie. I think it's his best movie by a long shot. Now, is it an S tier looking on this list? Is it what did you S- say? Is it an S tier? It's a B for me. Uh, is it an S tier? No, it's not an S tier. There's no possible way. And I'll, I'll give it an A. I, I'll, I'll give you an A for it, but it's not S tier. I think Midsummer's a better movie than Lighthouse. This is tricky. <laughs> you think Good Time is better than Lighthouse? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's probably a lot of people listening to this podcast flipping out right now. They don't know where I live. I know. <laughs> and even if they did, Eric, you'd beat their ass. I've seen you. you I really would. <laughs> yeah, you would. I can safely say that the likelihood is Eric can kick your ass if you're listening to this. You probably can. Oh, boy. Okay, then. I'll tell you what. Just because this is going to take forever, I'm going to settle with you and I'm going to put it in B tier, but we are reshuffling this list. So it's going into B tier <laughs> right now. It's... A great movie. I'm interested to see what you think when you watch it again, because I think you might change your tune. I think. I, I will say this. I will watch it again. I think once we're done with this, there are there are going to be a, a, probably about three or four movies that I want to go back and kind of revisit. Okay. So moving on, um, we're going to jump back a little bit in time, five years in time, actually. We're going to 2014 and the movie is called The Rover, written and directed by David Michaud. I think that's how you pronounce his name because it has like an umlaut or whatever over the O. So David Michaud, also co-written by Joel Edgerton. Joel Edgerton and Michaud are very good friends that I think they co-write a lot of stuff together. Weirdly super underrated, I think, Joel Edgerton. I think he's a really good actor. Very much Very underrated. Starring Guy Pearce and Rob. Robert Pattinson, surprise, surprise, also starring Scoot McNary. Scoot McNary, in my opinion, Eric, too, is also highly underrated as an actor. I think he's a really good, he plays the same character almost in every movie, but he's really good at playing that kind of character because he's more or less the same character in Killing Them Softly as he is in this movie, more or less. Yeah, that's a good pull. Yeah, absolutely. It's Yeah, he, ha- he has a kind of tone that he's known for and he nails it every time. Um, S tier, easy. S tier, easy S tier. <laughs> this is the easiest. This is the easiest S tier. I think this is the best movie they've ever put out. I, I think this is. Oh well, it's just, mm, it's yeah. up there with Moonlight. Mm, I think it. I think it. I think Moonlight just whole is a is a a bit above it. But I mean, they. I think they still share that S tier. Now, I I'll say this. I think it's the S tier that no one has heard of or watched. It is, I think it is one of the best post-apocalyptic type movies that are out there because everything that happens within it is everything that probably would happen with it as far as like a collapse goes. Um, it, it It's probably closer to what 
like a Mad Max movie would be like in real life, where it's not like these roving bands of like crazy Mohawk S and M people. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's by just, the time you get to Mad Max too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing that I really loved about this movie was the authenticity of it, where the the people who rob other people are just are guys in like uh torn up shorts and like golf polos, you know? They're just or tank tops and they're just, they're they're riding around just trying to buy petrol and bullets and that's that's all that they can really do. Plot description if you're listening, because me and Eric get excited about this movie, so we just jump straight <laughs> into talking about it as if you guys know what we're talking about. It's set basically in I think it's ten years. Is it ten years after the collapse? So it just says collapse. It's set in outback the outback in Australia. It doesn't say what the collapse was. The movie doesn't really feed you information. It, we know it's post-apocalyptic, so to speak, at least in all, in Australia. The the events of some kind of collapse has forced society to be kind Kind of lawless, very much Mad Max. This movie would not exist without Mad Max. A lot of movies wouldn't exist without Mad Max, specifically this one. It's about a guy, a loner, a drifter, who doesn't say very much, who has his car stolen by a bunch of guys who are basically on the run. They steal his car, and that's pretty much the movie. He basically goes on a one-man revenge mission to get his car back. It, uh, that's all he's interested in. He's not interested in anything else. He just has to get this car back, which is weird because you're like, the whole movie, you're like, well, why? what's it about this car? Why does he just need this? car but it's literally what the movie is about that sound fair okay go ahead eric sorry okay. yeah no 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 that's that's fair um i'll just i'll just add to it it's like yeah it's his quest to get that car back and everything kind of everything rides on it no pun intended everything rides on him getting that car back and the reason that he gets that car back is like that ending is so incredible. Um, it's so devastating, and and the whole the whole thing. That's all I want to say about it. But um, Guy Pierce is just is phenomenal in this movie. Uh, Pattinson is it's like it's almost heartbreaking how um, sad and desperate his character is. Not not because of his circumstances, just but just because of. He just wants, I don't know, wants to be accepted, loved, uh, appreciated, anything. Like, well, he wants to be, he wants to be seen as valuable by someone. And, and, um, and you can, you kind of see a, you, you kind of see a relationship grow over time. That's all I'll really say about it. But, um, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get into it later. S tier all day. If you guys haven't seen, Eric, I know you've seen it, Animal Kingdom, the movie you made before this movie with Joel Edgerton in it. And I, is Guy Pearce in Animal Kingdom too? I think he is, isn't he? If you guys haven't seen that movie, you've got to watch it. Don't watch this stupid television show. I know they turned it into a serialized TV show. The the originally Australian crime thriller is superb. He's made some interesting movies. He made that movie, The King, with uh, Timothy Chalamet, Timothy, uh, which is a Netflix or original. Yeah. Had you seen that? Because I'm kind of interested in watching it. I started it, but I never, I never got around to to watching it. I I trust it's good because he made it. He also made the movie War Machine with Brad Pitt, which I can't remember if I've seen or not. I I don't think I have. That's an interesting movie for him to make after this. Anyway, I mean, Animal Kingdom in this movie feel very obviously they're both set in Australia, and they are bleak. These are bleak movies. Bleak. <laughs> this is like his style, I think. 
just to get out of the way with, like, I have a huge affinity for Australian movies. I don't know why. I love Australian movies, specifically Australian crime dramas. I've always had like a, a fascination and an obsession with the outback and with Australia. It's probably the the place that I want to go to the most right now. Like I've never been, obviously. I think Australia to me feels like, and it's not probably true because I, I should imagine of any great landmass like Canada, Russia, uh, America, but Australia to me feels like it's, it's never really been inhabited. It seems like this big, wild, crazy place that's trying to kill you at all times. It seems like it <laughs> yeah. seems like the last lawless place on earth. You know what I mean? But it feels like it just doesn't. And I know that's not true, but it, it feels like it's there's something magical about Australia. I think Guy Pierce is absolutely phenomenal in this movie. Probably his best role. I know some people might argue, but I think it might be his best role. He's done some good work, though. Yeah, yeah. I think he should have stopped acting as soon as he was done with this because threw the mic down. That's the top right there. And we'll not talk about it anymore. There's no need to. We're definitely going to do an episode on it. That was the intention today is that this list that's taking 19 hours was supposed to be the build up <laughs> to the episode. What were we thinking? We should never have started this bloody thing. Anyway, S tier, easy, moving on. Easy, S tier. We're actually going to jump a little bit forward in time now. We have The Witch from 2015. Again, written and directed by Robert Eggers, starring Anya Taylor-Joy, Ralph Ineson, the great Ralph Ineson, who will also come up again in a movie we're going to be talking about later on in this list. I guess the two most known people from the movie. Not much to say about this movie. A family in 1630s New England. So that's 1630s New England is torn apart by the forces of witchcraft, black magic, and possession. Eric. Um. So this, this introduced a... A couple things to to me, uh, Anna Taylor Joy and um, Eggers as kind of new voices in in the in the in the space. So so they kind of it, it holds uh, kind of a special place for me. Um, the story was super interesting, like like the story that it was telling, uh, the aesthetic that was used how the language uh that he used to tell the story everything it just very very authentic you know um for me this is an a tier i have to agree with you on everything you said i feel like also this is part of the lexicon of this movie would fit in the lexicon of like modern horror that i was talking about with hereditary this movie alongside like the babadook it follows a few others it's one of the greatest horror movies ever made i think uh, again some people probably listen to this will scream and be like you're an idiot <laughs> The historical, I guess, I'm guessing accuracy because it feels really historically accurate to me and I don't know anything about history. The movie is like ominous as fuck. It is such a mood piece. I think too, I love like the whole religious overtones of the movie. I like how it touches on like witchcraft and paganism and, and all that kind of stuff, which I think is super interesting. It's fucking good. Yeah, I'm going to say A too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whenever I think about watching a movie, if I want to sit down and watch a movie, it's weird. I always think of the witch always gets thrown in there. Um, that's interesting because all i want to do is i want to watch him make movies that's all i want to see i'm going to be interested at the end of this year when we do our end of year roundup where the northman sits for you because it's been a while i keep forgetting that the northman came out this year i'm just excited for him to keep making movies because i think we're going to get some really good ones from him okay 2019 so we're going to jump forward again in time a little bit uncut gems by the safty brothers starring everybody knows that at this point adam sandler quick plot description with his debts mounting and angry collectors closing in a fast-talking new york city jeweler risks everything in the hope 
of staying afloat and alive. Where did we put uh, Good Time at? Was it a B? Currently, it's an A. Good Time's in an A? Oh, un- Uncut Gems is an S then. Because I think un really I think uncut gems is better than I would say it's better than good time. So if I put uncut at an A, we would have to drop good time down to a B. Give me a reasoning. Because I think what what happened is they with every movie they're they're kind of they're upping their game. Um, they're building their tension. They're really they're understanding the kind of the movie that they're wanting to get across. They understand genre. They understand their characters. They understand how to use music within their, uh, within their films. And at every point, it's always just a a bit better. Right. Uh, And I think they did something. They, they were able to pull out uh, Sandler out of that, They've done what what kind of few directors have been able to do with care with character actors like that, and that is pull a different performance out. I, even though I'm well aware that that he he has the chops to do it, I think it takes kind of special uh, directors to get something else. Um, where uh, Paul Thomas Anderson obviously did it, and I think they did it. Um, by subverting what everybody thinks about Sandler, because you you it's hard to separate um, Sandler from a movie. Uh, oh yeah, very difficult. It's very difficult, and I think with this, you have a strong supporting cast. You have uh, you have him and how he kind of plays around with everyone, and and he very much owned that role. And and um, I'm not, I don't remember if he got nominated or not for it, but uh, he definitely deserved to, if he didn't, I don't think he did. I think he got snubbed. And I think that was one of the things I could be, I could be wrong about that. Um, but uh, the ending, the ending was great. Uh, it, it, just, it had everything in it, like a strong heist movie almost. Um it definitely had that tension. It, it had that tension and it played with it well and it ran it the entire time. And it made me care. It made me care about his character when it, his character is such a scumbag that you don't want to care about him at all, but you, but you have no way not to in a way. Um, so for that, for that reason, for that reason, it would be an A and pushes a good time down to a B, I think. Because I, I think it is just a step above. I agree with you. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to put good time <laughs> down to a B. And I'm going to slot good gems in at an A. First reaction when you said that, I was like, really? And then listening to you talk and then like thinking about the movie. We Did we see this together? We did, didn't we? Yeah. We saw this. Yeah, we saw it together. Hands down, probably the most stressful experience <laughs> I've ever had at a movie yeah. theater. Not yeah. because of external factors, but because of the way the movie was making me feel. The movie is an exercise par excellence in controlling and building tension, almost unbearably so. And if they started that, if they kind of like were honing that skill with good time, because good time feels like that too, then they like perfected it by the time it gets down to Uncut Gems. Inspired casting of Sandler. He just doesn't stop. His his character doesn't stop the entire time. It's exhausting. As a comedian and as somebody who is so high, 
has such like a big persona, he can channel that and he can drive that kind of like energy into him. I think Adam Sandler's Jewish. Yes, yeah. he is, isn't he? The whole element of this movie that's about Jewish people, his faith, and then his family. I think he's a really good person to play that too, because it, this sounds like a weird thing to say, but because he's so familiar to me over the years now, Adam Sandler, he feels like he's a really cool way to like Trojan horse me into this world, which I'm not familiar with. And I, in these dynamics that I'm not familiar with, because I'm so familiar with him. The thing about Adam Sandler, and this is why I think it's good casting, he puts you at ease very much because it's Adam Sandler. So like when you see him in some movie, that's what's effective about Punch Drunk Love too, because that his character in Punch Drunk Love is very difficult. And then this character that he's playing is such an asshole too, and, and such a crazy person that it's hard to connect to him. But because it's Adam Sandler, we kind of like connect to Adam Sandler, then connect to the character. He's like a good stepping stone. And he's just really good. Safety Brothers perfected it. It's kind of wild. I don't think I'd sit through it again though. I would. I got the um I got the fourth 4K criterion when it first dropped. So I'm all in on it. Okay, it might be worth a rewatch for me too then. Okay, so Uncut Gems at an A. Give me two seconds. I'm just gonna let my cat out because she's crying. Mm-hmm. Next movie is Zola from the most unforgettable year of unforgettable years, 2020. Directed by Janika, I think I pronounced the name Janika Bravo, uh, who also co-wrote it with a couple other people, starring Taylor Page and Riley Keough. Riley Keough, I think, is obviously probably the most Mm well-known, yeah, probably the person in this that most people are going to know. Taylor Page is a bit of a breakthrough, I guess, from this movie. Plot synopsis is real short. It's based on a true story and a true situation. A stripper named Zola embarks on a wild road trip to Florida. Pretty much that's it. Yeah. Um, Eric and I <laughs> did an episode on this movie. We did a full length episode on this, didn't we? Yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah. Okay, Eric. I'm trying to think what we have left. I can tell you what we have left. If yeah, what do we have left? We have Green Knight, Everything Everywhere, X, Men, Pearl, and Bodies. We're on the home stretch. This is an F tier. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not that it's it's not that it's a horrible movie, like oh uh, sort of thing, but it, it's a movie I'm never gonna watch again. Uh I it, it's a movie about kind of gross people doing gross things, being gross and living in their gross world. You know, it's like there's None of the characters are very have have a a redemption thread that runs through it. It's not about that. It's just about a time in someone's life, which um, I don't know how much of it. I I know it's based on kind of a, a tweet thread that happened, but who knows how much artistic license was t- was taken in order to kind of tell a story. So I, I'm kind of thinking there's there's a lot of kind of nefarious stuff that probably happened that we didn't really get exposed to. And even even so, um, I, di- I just didn't care about any of the characters in it. Uh, it's not a movie that really kind of made me happy at all. <laughs> I felt bad the entire time. So, uh, so yeah, for me, it's an easy F tier. I mean, with everything left, it's it's simply put there. I would be tempted to put this a little higher. Maybe it's like an E, um, potentially a D. 
I don't think it's a good, I, it's not that I don't think it's a good movie. I think it's a fine movie. I know like the time it came out and the time I saw it too wasn't the best. I mean, a lot of my opinion on things is tainted by my general mood in 2020. <laughs> yeah. Like I think in a normal world, I think I might have latched onto this movie a little more than I did, but I think I was in such a negative headspace that I didn't really want to deal with a lot of stuff that was, I felt negative. I don't think you liked the way that it was shot either. You had a, like a big problem with it. Yeah, I don't like the aesthetic of the movie. It's not my chosen. It's pretty, but it's deliberately unpretty, which is not really my scene as like an aesthetic, if that's the best way to describe it. I feel like too, I don't know if the movie's really trying to say anything. Exactly. It's like a Vice article or it's like Face magazine. Pretty and edgy, but vapid, I think. I think. I'm I'm fine with it going as, as an F. I think the performances are good in it. Taylor Page is great. Yeah. Kyo's good. It's a it's a brave performance by her because she plays such a like unlikable person who also has to do a lot of really terrible things like in suffers a lot. I guess. I yeah. It's a, I think it's a fucking ugly movie. Yeah, I, I'm happy with F. Okay, so moving on. Another movie I've only seen once. That actually, there's, that's a bit of a running theme I think with these. <laughs> so jumping forward to like right in the middle of the pandemic, we have the movie The Green Knight. Green Knight was written and directed by David Lowery, uh, Dev Patel. Alicia Vikander, Joel Edgerton, who we mentioned before, is actually in this movie. That's the main three. And then Ralph Innocent actually plays the Green Knight. Sean Harris, another great character actor, Sean Harris plays the King. Plot description, a fantasy retelling of the medieval story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, which most people are familiar, I guess, with. Eric. Um, what do we have sitting at C right now? We have Enemy and Locke. I think this is a B-tier movie. Yeah. Um, with the way everything is sitting right now, uh, technically it, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, everyone's performances are really great. It tells a great story. It's, I remember watching it when we watched it, it was, it was what it wasn't it like dark, like yeah, we had a bad the, screening. Yeah, we had a bad screening. So it was like really dark. It was hard to tell some stuff that was, it was going quiet on. quiet too. Yeah, it was quiet too. It wasn't as loud, but um, I was still engaged with it. But it's not a movie that I've gone back to at all. That That is, it's one that I think maybe I will eventually, but it's going to be a while. Um, but I, I do remember liking it. I do re remember enjoying it. I think there's a lot there to really appreciate, but I think it sits pretty comfortably at a B. You know what's funny about this one? Hmm. There's been a few times over the years since it's came out. I was like, oh, maybe I'll rent it. I even almost bought the, the 4K. I, I, I'm kind of interested to see this on 4K. I think the problem with this movie for me is our screening was so bad and the sound was so bad and the screen was so poor that I think it kind of tainted this movie for me in my memory. I think this movie is better than I remember it being because it was so disappointing when we, and underwhelming the experience, the theatrical experience for this movie. Like if we had seen this in Dolby screen, I think this movie would have rocked my socks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I didn't. I think this is one that I most need to rewatch to really reappraise. I would probably, where I'm at right now, sit at it like a C or a B. I'd be happy Compromise with like- Compromise on a B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could, it, could, it could drop to a C, like a high C, but- yeah, I, I'm happy where, wherever it's B or C. We'll sit it at a B. It will need to get shuffled when we get to the end because it, it can't sit next to Midsummer. but we'll we'll figure that out. <laughs> 
okay. Not too much to say about it, really. Uh, I think Dev Patel is really great in that movie. I think the movie is visually very beautiful, too. Again, part of the reason why I want to watch it again and like with a decent screen, because it's really well shot, that movie. Moving on, 2022, the movie that I'm starting to get a bit burnt out on and I'm starting to get sick of people talking about... <laughs> is everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> Not really. I mean, it's The Daniels, written and directed by The Daniels, starring Michelle Yeoh, the great Michelle Yeoh, and also the great Jamie Lee Curtis. Other people too, James Hong, who plays the character Gong Gong, who's great. Uh, you might know him from Big Trouble in Little China, just to name a few movies that he's been in. Kei Hu Kwan, who plays Waymond Wang in the movie. Everybody knows him as Data from The Goonies. Here's a quick plot description. This one's tough to put in a plot description, but they tried. An aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure in which she alone can save the world by exploring other universes connecting with the lives she could have had okay eric i i would say a c tier um i think that's safe i mean i think a c is safe i don't think it's i i don't it's not higher than a b if it went to a b i would be fine but it's not any higher than that i and I think C is probably the lowest it should go. There's a lot going for it, but there's a lot that you've already seen. You know, if it's, um, you know, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the multiverse matrix, uh, Kung Fu extravaganza. I I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. I, I kind of like the, the idea of how you have to get to these other lives. It's a different way of telling that story. Very, some are silly, some are, you know, painful to watch. Um, the movie is a lot of fun though. And there's a lot of heart in there as well. And I think if you're in the right headspace, it could be like a spectacular movie for you. Um, and that's not to say I wasn't in the right headspace, but it didn't, it didn't blow me the way that the way that it blew everybody else away. You know, if you, some people have seen it like, you know, nine times or whatever, um, I can understand why people would fall in love with it, you know, cause it has everything for everyone in there. Um, but I doubt that I will watch it again in, in quite a while, you know, I did enjoy it, but I would say a C is a safe bet for me. We did an episode on this movie. Or go back and listen on the main feed. I went cold on it after a while. I was lucky enough to see it in IMAX when they did the the Universal showing where they showed it everywhere, everywhere, all at once, that one screening. <laughs> so they showed it consecutive yeah. all at the same time across the country. So I did get a catch in IMAX, which I'm pleased about. I don't know how much of this is, if any of it's actually shot in IMAX. I don't think it is. It's just like seeing it on a big screen, but it's not like in IMAX aspect ratio, I believe. But it was a fun experience. I think I connected with the movie a lot the first time I saw it. I saw it another two times because I was really high on the hog after seeing it the first time. And it kind of like lost its luster the second and third time. I think I'm guilty of this. I'd see movies too many times in too short of a space. And I think it can have a negative effect effect on a movie um rather than just letting it sit and then savor it then go back to it i think i do that too much actually so maybe i just spoiled myself on it i think the underlying message of the movie is really nice i, I was thinking about it it's kind of like if you were to mash um kung fu hustle with like i heart Huckabees and the matrix it's like those three movies except it doesn't go full those three movies at any point so it's kind of like a nice middle ground i think also this multiverse thing i'm i think i'm getting a little tired of it and i think it's not this movie's fault i think it's the marvel thing i 
think Michelle Yeoh's great in it. I think Jamie Lee Curtis is superb in it. And Michelle Yeoh's great in it. Obviously, she's getting a little older now, so she's not as... I mean, she still does a great job physically, but it's... I'm going to just go with my gut right now. And you said C, Harry? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to compromise with you and I'm going to go see for this right now. This might be the one movie on this list where most people are kind of shocked that what we're putting in at. I'm not saying it deserves to be here, but right now, I don't know 100% how I feel about this movie anymore. I don't think it's going to make my top 10 at the end of the year anymore. Oh, wow. I know, right? That's typical of me. I blow so hot and cold. You know <laughs> That's I mean? good. I mean, it, it means you're thinking about it. You're thinking about what's what's good, what, what makes sense for you in, in that list, you know? Okay, moving on. 2022, one the home stretch, Eric. From 2022, we have Ty West's X. In 1979, a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas, but when their reclusive elderly hosts catch them in the act, the cast find themselves fighting for their lives. Okay, who's in this? Mia Goth, Jenna Ortega, Brittany Snow, Kid Cudi, who's like a rapper, I guess. That's about it for the cast. Eric, over to you. I would say this is probably the funnest movie on this list. Um, yeah, potentially, yeah. Because it, it 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 knows what it is. It kind of it plays around with that genre. Um, those those performances are really great. It reminds it reminds me a lot of things that I kind of all those great horror movies that I watched as a kid growing up. Um, I would say it sits at a B for me right now. Interesting because we're going to have to talk about Pearl in a moment. I know kind of can't talk about one without talking about the other it seems now i agree with you i think of all of the movies on this list x is the movie that just is so happy being what it is that doesn't seem to have any aspirations of being anything more than just being a, a rollicking good time and i think um with that being said i think it nails it do i think it's ty west best movie not not by a long shot i thoroughly enjoyed my time with it and i and i love the throwback element of it i think the casting's great i far prefer Mia Goth in this movie than I do in Pearl, but we'll get into Pearl in a moment. Yeah. I would have to say B or a C. You said B. Yeah, I say B because it's just, like you said, it knows what it is. It's fun. And uh, it's very kind of reminiscent of those fun movies that we watched as kids. Would you compromise on a C? Because I feel like it's right down the middle of this movie. What do we have? We have Enemy and Locke. And everything everywhere. Everything everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. See. Of all the movies on this list too, this might be the most rewatchable movie on this list. I feel like you could put this on at any time and have fun with it. I think. I think it's a little overrated, but we'll get into that when we talk about Pearl. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know how it's going to sit once everything is done with it, you know, depending on how Maxine wraps everything up. And I don't have high hopes. No. <laughs> No. A little behind the music for you here. We were going to record an episode on Pearl. It was a combo episode. So we're going to cover Pearl and Barbarian because we've all we've seen them, but we just can't seem to get our schedules together to do the episode. So I think it might be lost in time. I don't think we'll ever get around to doing a Pearl episode or a Barbarian episode for that matter. But that was the intention. This is why we've been moved around and doing this and what we're doing now. Anyway, just thought I'd let you guys know. And <laughs> still uh, here. I'll, I'll just throw this out there real quick. If you have a choice between seeing Pearl and Barbarian, go see Barbarian. Hell yes, go see Barbarian. If I had to choose between X and Barbarian, I'd say see Barbarian. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. 
Barbarian may get on my top 10 for this year. It may do. We'll see. Next movie from 2022. We did an episode on this movie too. It's Alex Garland's Men. A young woman goes on a solo vacation to the English countryside following the death of her ex-husband and chaos ensues. Starring Jesse Buckley and the great Rory Kinnear. Other than that, over to you, Eric. Uh, this one is easy for me. Just, just how everything is kind of falling in line. This is a D tier for me. Um... Not because it's bad, but because, say, in the, I think it is not as good as X because X is a lot of fun. Uh, where men, it, there's not, it's not fun. It's definitely and, not fun. Yeah, it's not fun. It's not meant <laughs> to be fun. It's meant to make you think about a lot of different things. Um, it is smart in the way that it, it, you have to pay a lot of attention to everything that's going on. You know, have to know a little bit about mythology, a little bit about folklore, uh, a little bit about uh, abuse, depression, uh, anything that'll make you sad. <laughs> there's just there's just a <laughs> lot there's a lot going on with it, um, and it's not a movie that I'll probably ever revisit. So, but it's not bad. Like, like I say, an F tier or something like that, where it's like, bleh. it's great to look at. It's beautiful. Music is amazing. Technically, I mean, it's Garland. It, it it can't look anything but spectacular. It's just not the story for me. Um, but it it, I'm comfortable with like a D for it. Guys, you can go and listen to our full episode on men too on the main feed. Men proved to be pretty divisive when we were talking about it then. I think it is still now. I don't I don't even remember what I kind of my impressions of it. I think it. you were right down the middle on it. I think you were yeah. right down the middle on it. Mm -hmm. I think I was more positive. Yeah. But then I also I was this is interesting for me, man, because when I'm positive on it, I'm like really positive. But when I'm negative on it, then I'm like kind of super negative on it too. I think I might have been the most negative person on the podcast about this movie really? when we did it. Um hmm. yeah, I don't in a way. That. I'm like, I'm all over the place on this movie. I I can't in good faith put it in a D or a C. Personally, I think it's a B. And the reason I think it's a B is because I feel like I feel like there's more to this movie than I'm giving Garland credit for. At least I hope so. That's my big thing. Is is if the movie's doing what I think it's doing, then it's a better movie. But I don't know if Garland's really doing what I think he's doing. Therefore, it's it's that's a really tricky way to get. A, you'll have to listen to the episode to understand what I'm talking about with this. For me, it's got to be a B. I mean, it's a better movie than Lock. It's a better movie than Enemy. I would disagree with that, but you know. <laughs> I feel like the movie's a bigger failure than those other movies, but it's it, in a good way. And then again, though, is it really shooting for something? I don't know that. Oh God, because I, I, th <laughs> I, I think me. I think De La Neuve is a better director. And I think oh, he, fuck no. Fuck oh, no. yeah, 100% he is. No. 100% no. he is. God, no way. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely no way. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, Villeneuve has, Villeneuve usually gets better director of photographies. I don't think Villeneuve is a better director than Gollum. I don't think, well, Villeneuve's not even a writer, is he? Um, not sure. I'm not sure if he writes on his projects or not. I no, I mean, give me Garland over Villeneuve any day of the week. Mm. Um, Villeneuve's just like the French fucking. No, no, no way. Alex Garland isn't going to make Sicario the way Sicario was made. 
Dude, wow. No no way Annihilation's <laughs> a better movie than Sicario. Do you know why Sicario's no really good? No Do you know why Sicario's really good? Because Deacon Deacon's. shot it. That's yeah, why it's I know. really good. Yeah, I know. I know, but that's his DP. Like, yeah. that's his DP. The best thing about Sicario is the way the movie looks. No, not its, that, no, not that's, its, not its no, script no, 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 or it's no, like- No way. No. Because, because, no, because no. Del Toro- Del Toro in that movie. I was, I think I was talking about this the other day. It's just like Del Toro rules in that movie. Yeah, yeah, he rules in that movie. But that's Del Toro. Like, I nah, think, I well, think Enemy, Enemy, as strange as it is, is a funner movie than Men is. I think it's not it's a, a better movie than Men, though. No, better. But I think it's it's fun. I do think it's better too because it's. There's so much going on with it. There's so much going on with both of them. And I think Enemy is far easier and it's a funner movie to break down in a way that men isn't. I think men's. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, out of curiosity, what do you think is the best Villeneuve movie? <sighs> um, Don't say Dune because Dune's. No, no, no. I wouldn't say Dune because you. Dune. Yeah, Dune's not finished. Um. God, what are what are his movies? Can you bring them up? Because I, yeah. So we got um, Enemy. You got Prisoners. You've got um, Sicario. You also have uh, Incendies. What else has Villeneuve done? Mail Mailstorm. I think there was one called Mailstorm or Maelstrom. Maybe I'm gonna bring them up now. Yeah. So we have in no particular order: Maelstrom. Um, then you have Enemy, Incendies, Prisoners, Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner, Dune. Oh. <sighs> For me, um, for me, Sicario. Uh, but I just I like that genre. I, I think it's a fun genre. Um, I'll give you this. I think that Ex Machina is superior to all those movies. But I don't. Well, at think- least you speak in some sense. In your <laughs> I, I, but I, I don't. I, like this far this went to what, what else has Garland done? What What else has Garland done? So as a director, now he's yeah. written a shit ton of stuff. Yeah, um, just like as a director. 28 Days Later, Sunshine, uh, written a bunch of stuff. Um, the Beach. Um, as a director, I believe, let's, okay, I'm going to bring him up right now. I'm going to bring him up in a separate page so we don't, I love the tangent we've gone off on right now. That's great. <laughs> okay, so Alex Garland, here's his movies. Yeah. Men, Annihilation, and Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Fucking hell. Um, and then Devs, because he did Devs, a TV show. But I'll, even throw, De- I'll even throw Devs in there. Uh, Dylan was a better director. No. <laughs> no. He's not a better. I think, it, you, no, I think Villeneuve, right? Uh, like the best Villeneuve movies, surprise, mm-hmm. surprise, are all shot by Deacons. Blade yeah. Runner. A prisoners, Sicario. That's I think they're his best three movies. I know Arrival's really good too. Yeah. I think they're his best three movies. They're all shot by Deacons, right? I'm obsessed with Deacons. I think he elevates anything that he makes. I think he elevates what he makes. Garland is just interesting, and he's in in in. When I'm watching a Garland movie, I feel like I'm watching a Garland movie. I don't feel like I'm watching a music video director make something serious. Mm-hmm. I don't. I yeah, don't know. I'm. <laughs> we'll never agree on this. We'll never agree on this. Um, no, fuck yeah. I, I also go. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a storyteller thing as well. You know, because I think maybe um, I think Garland might be a. I think Garland might be a better storyteller than Nolan, but I also think Dale Nub is a better director than Nolan. 
I think they all have different strengths. I think, yeah. no, like, God, we're really going off on a tangent. I think because <laughs> you you brought Nolan into the conversation, so I yeah. think Nolan is a really good spectacle filmmaker. Yeah. That's about my interest in what he does, right? Spectacle. I think scale and spectacle. Nolan's like very very talented. Yeah, Villeneuve is kind of like the thinking man's Nolan. So he's still scale and spectacle, but he's his movies feel a little. I don't know. They're like, I think they're accessible. I wear Nolan. The more, yeah, they're yeah, accessible. You can't, you can't access Nolan stuff. Sometimes, and then sometimes, sometimes there's not as much there as you think there is. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like they're not as, you know what I mean? And I think that Garland would sit like back as in-, in, in I would say of, he like, sits in the middle. Go- yeah, but Garland isn't like a showy filmmaker at all. Like his movies aren't showy at all. And like, I think he's less men, interested men in- Men wasn't showy? No, I, I mean, visually, no, it's not showy. I don't think he's trying to do like massive, big, like sweeping movies. I think he's telling like interesting off the beaten track science fiction tales, but it, he, it doesn't feel like his movies don't feel like they have the scope of like a Villeneuve or a Nolan. You know what I mean? No, they like, don't, I don't have think- a, Yeah, yeah, they don't have that scope. No, no, it's more, yeah, I mean, yeah, like- it's more of an intimate. Yeah, I, I, I would. Personal. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, in short, they're all good, and, and <laughs> we'll just settle on that. Yeah. Okay. No. So why we're going to put men? They are said, all good, said, but one one's better than another one, though. Yeah, and it's Garland. <laughs> so why where did you say you were going to put men? D. Yeah, yeah. I can't mean. a good I can't in good conscience do that. So I'm going to put it at a C. Is that a compromise between my B and your D? Uh, yeah, we just have to move some stuff around. Oh, yeah, a bunch of shit's going to get moved. Um, okay, moving on to 2022, Ty West's prequel to X, Pearl, starring, obviously, Mia Goth. Surprise, surprise. Okay. The Pearl is, X is, X is better than Pearl. Yeah. What else do we have at a D right now? Green Room's the only movie sitting at a D. I'm happy with a D. I could be, I could put it at a D. Tell me why. I think, I think Green Room is a, a fun, uh, more entertaining than Pearl, um, I think. I think with Pearl, it's it's just you're you're just adding on to what this franchise is going to be. It's just it's filler information. Um, it's almost unnecessary, but it's fun to get some backstory for people who wanted backstory on that character. You don't need to know a ton about that character to know that uh, she's a psychopath and. Um, there's a lot going on in her brain, um, but there's what's missing in there is the fun factor that uh, you had with X and the humor of this of that of that movie. Uh, there's there's not much humor in this. You don't need it. I mean, I guess you don't need it if he's trying to tell a different story because she is a very sad character. Um, but I don't think you need an hour 40 to tell that story. I think it could have been tied in a different way. Um, it's I, I do like the look of it a lot. I, I like the setting a lot, but I wasn't entertained by it the way that I was entertained by X. Yeah, I 
I'm really cold on the movie. I kind of was when we came out. We just saw it. Didn't we just see it like two days ago? Um, Zach, who unfortunately is not on this episode, was this is his most anticipated movie of the year. Probably, I would see. He seemed so hyped for this movie, and I know Zach's a lot uh, more positive on it than I think even you and I are. I just didn't. I just didn't think it was very good. I just don't see what all the fuss is about. I don't see what the everybody's like. Oh, it's so disturbing and unsettling. I'm like, is it? Is it really? Because it just kind of feels like broad strokes psycho melodrama. Like it, it, it doesn't feel like nuanced or like interesting. She's very over the top. And I know then they're like, oh, but that's a style of it. It's like Gone with the Wind, The Wizard of Oz, but then it's really deeply unsettling and, and her character is like breaking down her mind of it. And I'm like, no, it just feels cartoonish to me and like comic booky. <laughs> It feels kind of pointless, and honestly, it just feels like it's a drag out of like something that didn't really need. The character of Pearl is more interesting in X than she is in this, because at least then yeah. you're like, well, how did she end up like this? Yeah. And then when we get the when we get the actual story that they concocted, I guess like in the space of like two weeks or however long it took them to do it. Nah, I don't think it's very good. I I don't think it's good at all. Actually, I would probably you said D. Yeah. I'd probably say I'd go E. E. Yeah. Yeah, e. I mean, I'd go E. It's not as good as Green Room. It's not. It's not. But it, I would say it's better than uh, what Disaster Artist. That's at an F. And then Bling Zola. Ring. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, I'm, for now, I'm, I'm going to drop it in at an E and I'll yeah. get the reshuffle. We're almost there, Eric. And listeners, oh my God, we're almost there. The last movie on our list. This is the last one. Yes, is the last one we're on now from 2022 this year also. And again, we did an episode on this movie. So go back and listen. It is the movie Bodies, 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 directed by Helena Ryan, Rain, Helena Rien, I think that's how you pronounce it. Not written by her, written by two of the screenwriters, starring Maria Bakalova, Rachel Sennett, Chase Sui Wonders. I think that's how you pronounce her name. And most notably, let's just get down to it, Pete Davidson and yeah. then a bunch of other people. <laughs> Eric, bodies, bodies, bodies. Right now, it's it's like at a, a C or a D for me. I think it's better than those low tier movies right now. Um, I it's fun for the absurdity, for the kind of craziness of those characters, how kind of oblivious they are, and how you kind of have fun with their their nonsensical behavior in in the situation that is very much beyond them. Um, how they approach everything with their, it's a, you know, and it, it's been said a, a billion times before, you know, with the, how they're, how you have to deal with their narcissism and their, uh, their self-righteousness and like all the, just, uh, it's just, it's so ridiculous. Um, but it is entertaining is a thing. It's entertaining. It's silly. It's a better movie than Pearl. Um, so with that, if I put Pearl at a D, I would have to put this at a C. That's going to shift everything because I don't think it as is as good as Enemy and Locke. So right now it's going to sit at a C for me. I definitely like it more than Pearl. Like definitely like it more than Pearl. Um, you know, it's funny. So last night I when I when I leave work, I, I work pretty late now. So on my drive home, there's a bar. Not that I drink and drive, but I'll stop and I'll have like a cause light or whatever, you know what I mean? And it's just a, it's just an opportunity for me to decompress after work and they have a nice beer garden and it's usually really quiet. And I can have a cigarette and a beer and then I'll drive home. So I'm never there for more than like 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. So last night I go there and this is relevant, trust me. Normally the the, the small 
smoking patio is like empty, but there's like three young women on the table opposite me. It's a small patio and they're all about the age of the characters in this movie. So yeah, so all these young ladies sit next to me were probably like, I guess it just turned 21. I was on my phone looking at some stuff and I was having a cigarette and like they were so loud I couldn't help but overhear the conversation. My God, was it just like watching bodies, bodies, bodies. It was <laughs> terrifying. They acted exactly the same way. They were all on the same phone. They kept getting up, taking selfies of themselves. Their conversation was like, it felt like it was pulled from this movie directly. Yeah. So yeah. why I'm going about with this movie is this movie feels very genuine and very accurate and very up-to-date because that was literally my experience last night. So much so that I didn't even finish my beer because I couldn't listen to it any longer. I was like, I was like, these fucking, I was like, it's so annoying that I got up and left. <laughs> Old man. Old man, Scott. You don't want to like it, but you, it, it's entertaining enough to like it just for the ridiculousness of it. So what did you say, Eric? You said C? C. See, yeah, I'll, I'll settle on a C too. No problem. We've reached the end of actually putting the movies in the list. Now we have to go through and whittle it down to our final selection and where the movies should sit. Should we start at S and work our way down? Yes, because stuff's going to get pushed down. It is going to get pushed. So starting at S right now, we have Moonlight and The Rover. I think they'll stay. You, are you confident that ro the Rover's an S? Is it recency bias because we both just recently rewatched it? Or are you confident that it's an S with Moonlight? As in, do, do you think the Rover's an A? I think the the Rover is easily an A. Um, I think Moonlight is a better movie than Rover. So pushing Rover down to an A was completely acceptable. I rewatched the Rover literally like two nights ago. Me and Eric were talking about it. I was like, I was just mesmerized by it. The movie's fucking incredible. I just don't know if I'm a little high on the hog with the Rover right now. Okay, so right now we have Moonlighted and S, which is a lock in my opinion yeah. as an S. Okay, in the A tier then, that gives us Ex Machina, the Rover, the Witch, and Uncut, Uncut Gems. Whew. Good Lord. They could all stay there, from my, from, in my opinion. The Rover, Uncut Gems, The Witch. The Witch. Yeah. None of those are- I think they're all as good as each other. None of them are below an A, yeah, in my opinion. B and C, I think, is where we need to really thin the herd. So um, in the B tier right now, we have Hereditary, Good Time, Midsommar, Lighthouse, and The Green Knight. Green Knight can go down. I think so too. I don't think it's as good as Hereditary or Midsommar or The Lighthouse. Does Good Time live in the B category with those movies? I don't know. What's your um, what's your reasoning? Mid what Midsummer, uh, Lighthouse, Good Time, and Hereditary. Hereditary stays. Which one? Is, which one is better to you, uh, Midsummer or uh, Lighthouse? Midsummer. I would shift Lighthouse. You'd rather push Lighthouse down than Good Time? Well, no, that that was the thing. I, and then next I was saying, where does Good Time sit with those two? And with Midsommar and Hereditary? I don't think Good Time. It's such a different type of movie, though. This is yeah. why making these lists is pointless, but we've spent two and a half hours <laughs> doing it, so we're going to finish it. I say that we push. You're not as strong on the Lighthouse as I am, are you? I'm not. I, I say that we push the Lighthouse down to C. Yep. Someone has to give, and I'll compromise with you on Good Time over The Lighthouse, because you think Good Time is better than The Lighthouse, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah. I think uh, Pattinson gives a far better performance. 
in Good Time. His performance at Good Time is better than his performance in The Lighthouse, for sure. I think the problem with The Lighthouse is, is Patterson is up against Defoe, who is basically eating the, the entire yeah, screen. Yeah. It's so hard to compete with Defoe in that movie. Yeah. Um, that's maybe why the movie feels a little lopsided. Um, okay. So C is really thick. So we have to thin this yeah. re- like we do. So in C right now, we have The Lighthouse, Enemy, Lock, Everything Everywhere, X, Green Knight, <laughs> Men, and Bodies. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I think Bodies does not belong in the same category as Lighthouse. So it has okay. to drop. Yeah, that has to drop. I would say The Lighthouse is the strongest movie of all of these in this run in C right now. So I think we should judge everything by The Lighthouse. Okay. So I think Bodies isn't as good as Lighthouse, so it drops. Men isn't as good as Lighthouse, so it drops. Correct? Correct. The Green Knight. I think that can stay. The Green Knight stays. You think? Against The Lighthouse? It's an equal. I'm asking. I don't know. (laughs) I'm scared to say. I would say yes. I would say yes. X? I don't know. I don't no, know. No, it's not. No, it's not. In terms of craft, it's just not. It's not on the same level. Even just okay. in terms of craft, it's not on the same level. Okay. It's either the Green Knight or the Lighthouse. Yeah. I know it's working with a smaller budget, probably. Everything Everywhere, I think I'm kind of happy with it sitting in that C category because I do think it probably stands neck and neck with Green Knight and the Lighthouse. I think it's on the same level. Yeah. Yeah. Lock? I don't think Lock belongs on that in there. No, Lock, lock would drop. And enemy, does enemy stay? I think enemy drops too. Yeah, because I think I think lock and enemy and enemy are are on the same level. Yeah, which I so okay. So I think lock and enemy are a lock, no pun intended, as a D category, right? That's yeah. where they've went to now. Yeah. I think that's the standard for D. Okay, in which case does green room still hit that standard with those two? Um, mm-hmm. And w- what else is there? Uh, X, so right now we have pearl. X, men, bodies, and green room, all in the same category as enemy and lock. I think I think green room stays and everything else drops. Ugh, I think men stays and everything else drops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, men just is not entertaining the way green room is entertaining. Yeah, but then it's entertaining a metric of quality. I uh, is it's, it? It's a metric. It's part of the metric. But yeah. is it as is it important? Like Schindler's List is not entertaining, but it's a great movie. Good point. I know Good it's point. a bad example <laughs> to use, though. Good point. I mean, it's the most on, yeah, it's the most on, no, on the nose example. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the only thing I, about Schindler's I'll, List I'll is say it's this. just I, not fun. I think, I think, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think Green Room is, I think Green Room is better than x so if it drops then x is dropping too i think solny is a better filmmaker than ty west yeah (laughs) oh my Mm -hmm. god i know that's i know we're talking about (laughs) what the filmmaker is as opposed to the movie now i would say for my money in the d tier for my money we have enemy lock men bodies no bodies shouldn't be in this no bodies isn't as good as green bodies is nowhere close okay i'm i I, okay so i say this is the d tier green room enemy lock men yep yeah Okay, cool. E category, moving on down, we have Bling Ring, Pearl, Bodies, X. Bling Ring's got to go. It's not as good as Bodies. No, that's true. Or X. Yep. And Pearl's not as good as Bodies or X. Yep, you got it. 
Okay. F tier, and this is the last one. I'm not making any more fucking tiers. <laughs> F is the bottom. F is the bottom. So right now we're sitting with Pearl, Bling Ring, Disaster Artist, and Zola. Perfect. I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, that's perfect. I think that's pretty yeah. fair. Okay. So just to recap one last time, and I will post this tier list on our Instagram profile once the episode is out. I'm not going to post it before the episode is out because I don't want uh, any spoilers. I want you guys to listen to this for like nine hours. <laughs> This is a final ranking. Eric, this is the last chance you have to save anything, and it's a set in stone forever. Oh, Lord. S, we have Moonlight. In the A tier, we have Ex Machina, The Rover, The Witch, and Uncut, Uncut Gems. B tier, we have Hereditary, Good Time, and Midsommar. C tier, we have The Lighthouse, Everything Everywhere, and The Green Knight. D tier, we have Green Room, Enemy, Lock, and Men. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the bottom part that's a killer. Yeah, the D is the most contentious, I think, for me. It definitely is for me because I feel like Ben should be higher, but um, I'm, I'm willing to settle on it. E is pretty clean cut. It's bodies and X. I think that's pretty clean cut. Yeah. Very straightforward. FTA, I think, is all very obvious too. Pearl, yeah, right Ring, Disaster Artist, Zola. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's fair. We did it. You know what's crazy? <laughs> I was thinking about this when we were talking about it. I've seen Morbius with Jared Leto. I've seen it more times than a lot of these movies. Oh my God. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, I have like, yeah. I'm losing. Yeah. Ugh. But Garland is a better director. Okay. <laughs> no, but I, I, I mean, as in, like, I'll just put Morbius on if I'm like half asleep and I'm laying in bed and I just put something goofy on. Yeah. Kind of like my new go-to terrible movie because it's just like I could totally just zone out when I watch it. No, but yeah, Garland, Garland is uh, better than you <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, so thanks for confirming that, Eric. And make sure that you do uh, on the on the Instagram. Just make sure you do a poll with. Uh, Can I Garland. do a poll with all of? Oh, with Gal, you want to do a poll on the Instagram? I'll do with, one on the episode and the Instagram. Yeah, with the uh, with Garland and uh, Dale and Eve. <laughs> I'm going to do that poll. <laughs> God, well, we made it. I didn't think we'd make it. It was like, it's either. like 85 degrees in my room now because I've had the AC off for like two and a half hours. You're the color of a tomato right now. Oh, I do look really red. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, okay. Well, Eric, thank you. And I know you weren't feeling okay. too well, but thank you for making the sacrifice for our listeners. Yeah, that's what I do. Blood and <laughs> tears. Um, and there's nothing we don't need to talk about. It. We've talked enough. Anyway, this fucker isn't even important. Thanks guys for listening. <laughs> Have a great, great day. Whatever you do, if you're driving to work, driving to school, walking the dogs, cleaning the house doing some join, got us on in the background, whatever you do, have a great day. And thank you so much for continuing to listen to our episodes. I know that our podcast is gradually growing. The numbers are getting better every week. And that's all because you guys keep listening to our episodes, which is awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks guys. Sicario is a better movie. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Eric's fine. Okay. Bye. <laughs>